Welcome back to the Youth Quest Ministry Podcast. Thanks for joining us this week as we continue to discuss all things ministry. Last week, I talked a bit about leadership. A couple weeks ago, I was with Camden, our band leader. And now this week, I am joined by Riley Ridgeway. He is our bass player on the team. This is his first year uh, with YouthQuest. He's a freshman here at Liberty studying commercial music. Welcome, Riley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, mega church versus church plant. Riley had a had a um, very unique growing up where he grew up in in a mega church and then transitioned to a church plant um, before coming to Liberty and coming to school here. And so we're going to dive into that and look at the comparison between the two: the good, the bad, the ugly of all of it. Um, and so, without further ado, let's get into it. Riley, I just want you to take a moment, introduce yourself, tell the people who you are. I know who you are, but they do not. So, yeah. please. So, like he said, my name is Riley. Um, I'm a freshman here at Liberty studying commercial music in the school of music. Um, I'm also a minor in youth ministries, um, which is very applicable to what we do here with youth quest. Um, I'm from the Atlanta area, so real convenient that we're talking about uh, mega churches and church plants because <laughs> Atlanta is like the hub of mega churches. <laughs> we got spot. we got North Point, we got Passion, we got Twelve Stone. Um, but yeah, I'm from Atlanta. Um, I've grown up in a Christian household. We moved a couple times. Um, went to Bellevue when we lived in Memphis. That was the second oh, yeah. place that we lived as a family. Good um, church. Good church. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Cool. Uh, awesome. Uh, so we'll, we'll just kind of get into it. So I want to know kind of what it was like growing up initially in a mega church, just that experience, not knowing what you know about church plan or anything like that. Just kind of what was it like growing up in a mega church? Yeah. Um, so from the start, like I really didn't know any different. Like I like the church that I went to, the mega church I grew up in, uh, North Point mm-hmm. um, in Alpharetta, Georgia. And I, I mean, I didn't know anything different. I just knew that, oh, there's a lot of people that go to this church. <laughs> yeah. Um, the building is like really big. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff inside. Um, there's like certain spaces dedicated to both the children's ministry, um, elementary, like toddlers and um, pre-cares, elementary, middle, high school, college, mm-hmm. everything. Um, so it was like, yeah, I kind of knew like a bunch of people there, especially growing up. You would think a mega church is kind of like, you know, not many people know each other, but being there so many years, um, you kind of do get to know a lot of yeah. people, um, both in the congregation and on staff at the church, which, which is really nice. Um, but like my experience in the mega church growing up, it was, you know, a lot of um, being involved in the programming um, and being able to be there and to learn um, pretty much like whatever Bible stories that there were to teach. Mm. They had the programming to do that. Yeah. Um, so I got a lot of uh, foundational like Christian education mm. in the Bible in Sunday school and everything. Um, so that was really nice. And especially being able to um, progress through the elementary, middle and high school ministries where they have um, programming specifically geared towards those stages of yeah. life. Um, like in middle school, they talk about like a lot about friendships and relationships because that starts to become a hot oh, yeah. topic then. Um, like how to how to keep faith in trials and tribulations, which I know mm-hmm. for me, middle school was a tough period of life. And I know it is for a lot of students and yeah. even for parents too. Oh, yeah. Um, and then high school being able to, um, and even in middle school and high school, being able to go on a lot of weekend retreats, fall, spring retreats. Um, had about three of those a year, so I'd be able to connect with my small group that I was with, mm-hmm. uh, my small group leaders, and it was just a, it was a it was a really fun time growing up yeah. in that church. Um, that church is still one of my favorites, and uh, the people there are amazing. The organization mm-hmm. itself is very uh, very well put together. They yeah. definitely have their stuff down. Um, 
both from the ministry aspect of it, production aspect, worship. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Then did you go to the main campus? I did, of yeah. North Point? How the, many, do you know how many campuses there are? There are, if I remember correctly, eight. Okay, gotcha. They recently added, I think they, in the past couple of years, maybe five, six years, they added another satellite campus. Okay. They're um, all a decent size, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the main campus is anywhere from, this is just estimating, I'm probably lowballing, but like three to 5,000. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I really like what you said about um, talking about how, even though it's a church that size, you really do get to know people, um, which is something that that often when you when you don't have an experience in a large church, a mega church, or even just a large church, um, you will automatically think like, oh my gosh, there's too many people. I'm never going to know anybody. I'm never going to get fully connected. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like I got to serve at, like you mentioned, Bellevue. I got to serve there this summer and the church I go to back home in Connecticut now, while it's not a mega church by Connecticut standards, <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, um, we would have like two thousand, I think, weekly attendance. Um, where again, for Connecticut, that's like insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a big part of that is like you, you'd be surprised how many people you do get to know. Mm-hmm. And and the cool thing is, is that yes, you don't get to know everybody because there are a lot of people. But because there are a lot of people, you do get to know. A lot of people. Yes. It might be a small percentage, but it's still a lot of people. Yeah. Which is really cool. And there's just the relationships that you get to build and, and the people you get to connect and with. And the stories and, that you get to hear from all those people. There's a there's hundreds of hundreds and thousands of different stories and different walks mm. of faith. And it's super cool to hear those when you meet those people too. Oh yeah. And especially larger churches, you know, you have such a you know, they're often non denominational, mm-hmm. um, which also brings in so many different walks of life. Which is very cool. Yeah. It's not like, oh, this is a Presbyterian church. Oh, this is a Catholic church. Oh, this is a Southern Baptist church. This is a congregational church. It's like, okay, I kind of know what I'm getting into here. It's like, well, this is one not, there's not a specific dom- denomination often, not mm-hmm. always. Like Bellevue is Baptist, but um, North Point, I believe, is non denom. Yep. Um, but because it's so large, is you it represents often a large percentage of the population. And mm-hmm. you do get so many different walks of life, which you can learn from. Which is really cool. And like you were saying, how many people have those stories? There's thousands, hundreds of stories that you mm-hmm. can hear. And those aren't just like they're Christian walks. But that's also like, hey, I, we did not grow up the same. Let me tell you about it. Yeah. Which is so cool. Mm-hmm. So cool. Um, with that, I do want to ask you kind of more about your experience in mega church. Not necessarily. It can be about North Point. It can be about just big church in general. But kind of what were your favorite things? And then also what were your not so favorite things? Like what, what were some highlights that you really liked the way they did this or that you're like, man, I'm not going to lie. This, this wasn't it for me. Yeah. Um, so definitely something I enjoyed was, uh, the retreats that we did and the other events that Mm. we did at North point. Um, like as many of you that are listening probably know North point, um, has a pretty well established band, (laughs) uh, North point worship and, um, a lot of the worship that they've done and that they've released, they've um, hosted live recordings mm. for. Um, Didn't and they I've, do Death Was Arrested? Was yep. that them? Yeah. Right. Um, there was, that was That's like their number one yeah. track. Um, and so I was there for some of those live recordings. They recorded uh, their two-part uh, project, Nothing Ordinary, those two mm-hmm. live EPs that they recorded back in 2017. I was able to go to those as like a seventh or eighth grader, which is really cool mm. to see because... Usually the North Point Worship Band works more like leading worship in the high school and like big morning church, okay, like yeah. Sunday morning services. 
um, not so much like the middle school ministry. So to be yeah. able to see like Chris Colley mm-hmm. and Seth Condry, some of my favorite worship leaders, being able to see them live in middle school is like, mm. oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And filling up, I think it was, I can't remember which which venue we were at, but it was a lot of people because it was from yeah. all eight campuses or at the time maybe seven. Um, so it was really cool to be a part of that. And the additional live recordings that they did for their most recent album, um, that was a lot of fun too, mm. uh, being able to go to that at Buckhead Church. Um, so those are like that and some of the treat- retreats that they've hosted at a couple different camps around here mm-hmm. um, as far as Tacoa. Um, those were definitely some of my highlights from my time um, with mega churches, And also being a part of Passions, the Rising event, they had something on Wednesday nights throughout the school year. Okay, um, I think they still have it going, but I did that for like a year and a half uh, back in like the middle of high school. Um, and being able to go to those events was really fun because mm-hmm. it's a time where you get to hear good messages, you get to experience like fun worship, mm-hmm. um, you're able to connect and fellowship well with a lot of other um, Christians in similar like, well, similar grades and similar like, yeah you know, stages of life, but also just to be able to hang out with people that you wouldn't ordinarily hang out with outside of church. Mm. It's like that time um, within a week or like on Sunday nights where you're able to really just connect and fellowship with the other people. Yeah. um, Same age in the same church. And that was one of my favorite parts about that church. Uh, Some of the things that kind of irked me, and this is more general to a Mm. lot of mega churches I've seen in the area, not specifically the one I've grown up in, is that... um, a lot of the resources that they have potentially and like they potentially are wasted. Mm. Um, and it's not just mm. monetarily wasted, yeah. but it's people too, mm. because a lot of the volunteers and a lot of the staff um, in these churches is vital to the yeah. operation oh, of yeah. these churches, especially volunteers. Yeah. Like huge. just imagine how many volunteers that passion in North point 12 stone have on any given Sunday morning. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. Um, and one thing, that I've kind of noticed, and one thing that I've talked about with our band Soundtech, Raymond, mm. um, is that some of these churches don't necessarily allocate enough resources to local missions as they do global missions. And this is just mm-hmm. a personal opinion oh, of yeah. mine, because um, oh, yeah. local missions is very important to me be, to be able to minister locally to student groups in this area, yeah. in Virginia, and in a couple other states like Earlier this like earlier in the semester, like one of our first events was a back to school rally in mm-hmm. West Virginia, and to be able to connect with uh, that's that youth group there was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and so local missions, um, especially in my area, is really is like something that's really close to my heart. Yeah, um, just to be able to minister and to serve the people in my area, which I'll get to um, li- a little later in this episode. Yeah, but. Um, like local missions is something that's really important to me. And I don't see a lot of mega churches in this area with the resources that they do mm. being able to go out into the city, like especially in Atlanta in the yeah. inner city yeah. where a lot of people do need to hear this gospel, uh, this gospel message that we have, but don't because our churches don't go into that area as much as they do maybe mm. like Africa or South America. Yeah. Not to say that global missions is a bad thing because it is not. Yeah. Global missions is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Like that was the entire, that's the entirety book. That's the entirety of the book of Acts and even into the New Testament mm-hmm. is, you know, spreading the gospel throughout the word, throughout the world. But one thing that I hold close to my heart is starting local missions before I go out and spread it globally because that's yeah. also what Jesus did. That's yeah. the model of missions that Jesus had. Start with the people right in front of you. Yeah. 
like he like he took twelve he took twelve people probably just about our age like yeah. anywhere from like fifteen to twenty one yeah, or something very young ministering to them and his native people in Jerusalem and Bethlehem and Nazareth mm-hmm. and Galilee before his apostles went out to Rome or to Syria or to yeah. like even into France and Spain at the time. Um, so I feel like allocating resources to local missions is something that some mega churches uh, could do a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, there are probably mega churches around the country that do that a little better than the mega churches that I've known. Yeah. Um, but from what I know, I feel like that could be something that um, could kind of be prioritized. Yeah. And um, especially in the church, allocating resources where needed, because often they spend money on things that aren't as necessary, um, but are as, nice. But yeah. are nice as opposed to things that are necessary that may mm-hmm. not be as nice but are necessary. Yeah. Um, and those are, like those are just a couple of things yeah. um, that I've noticed. Um, some of those are personal opinions. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna say that to like call out any specific no, absolutely. church or absolutely. organization, but. I think that I think that all churches can benefit from doing a little bit better community outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I want to talk about a couple of things that you said. I want to I'll talk about the bad things and I'll talk about the good things. Um, switch it up, but uh, yeah, I, I I think that a lot of churches, most churches, most American churches at least, can certainly improve in the area of community outreach. Mm-hmm. Even I look at I look at Lynchburg where we are, and I look at the billion churches that are in this town, and I. I see a lot of people going to church and I see a lot of churches, but I don't see a lot of outreach, especially, I, at least I don't see as much as I would expect for how many churches are here. Yeah. Um, like not so much people going to church as the church going to people. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that like, yes, we're in a, we're in like, Oh, we're in the bubble, Liberty bubble. Like, yeah. A lot of people here are Christians, but the reality is, is not everybody is. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are we doing about it? They're not going to just walk into church. They need to be reached. They need yeah. to be outreached too. And I think that that needs to happen a lot of places. I think that to, to shout out Bellevue, um, one thing that they do exceptionally well, which I was really impressed. This is probably one of the things that I was most impressed by by my time there was the community outreach they do in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Because Memphis is a lot of inner city. Yes. There's a lot of inner city in Memphis. And they capitalize on that, um, which is huge. They do so much community outreach there. They do... Um, they have all kinds of what they call pathways, um, which are their partnerships with urban ministries where they just support them. They either support those ministries that already exist or they're sending people out to them to help out, which was so encouraging to see. And I think that model can be adopted by a lot of people um, and by a lot of churches. Um, but yeah. And then about the good things. Um, I like that both things that you talked about really were at the core of resources. Um, I think that I think about my church as well back home, which, like I said, is a, is a big church for Connecticut. But the beauty of that is that we had resources. And with those resources, like you said, you spoke from a student ministry experience. I can speak from the same experience. Those resources helped that ministry so much and helped me as a student mm-hmm. be able to experience so much more, be able to learn so much more, be able to learn things that were specific to me. Um, that I could grab onto as a mid, like you said, as a middle schooler, like we have those resources because of the people that are there, the magnitude of people helps. Um, but also the fact that people are giving and that's such a huge thing is like, we need to continue to give. Which is, which is also not to, not to cut you off, but, uh, like that's also something that I've noticed, especially post COVID Mm -hmm. is that a lot of these mega churches aren't really getting 
the revenue that they used to yeah. pre-COVID because yeah. people are still like going to are still like they're still learning how to get back into the swing yeah. of things and go back to a routine Sunday morning mm-hmm. if that's the kind of routine the family yeah. had before. Yeah. And so a lot of these churches are struggling with bringing in revenue to yeah. allocate to those resources because they don't like some of them don't have the population that they did mm-hmm. before the pandemic, which is yeah. also something that um, I know a lot of churches, whether big or small, have been trying to like work around. Yeah. Is that how do you deal with these resources and um, the capabilities of the church post COVID yeah. rather than pre COVID? Yeah. And I think too, a big struggle with it, specifically in larger churches who have the money, who have the, the access to things and can get equipment for broadcast mm-hmm. is we're also dealing with the people who have now just moved to online church, which just isn't church. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we're, we're a lot, mainly mega churches, mainly large churches who have really good broadcast programs. I think we're wrestling through, okay, how much, how much do we put into this so that the people who are online now have a good experience, but also how much do we put into this to where we're bringing them back in? Mm -hmm. It's hard to find that balance of like, we don't want to just drop them. Because if they're going to stay online, we don't want to just not give them anything and then they never show up again. Yeah. But we want to give them enough to be like, okay, now come back. <laughs> and I come think back into church. One thing with that is that you could start to almost make it entertaining for it to be online. Mm. So where so like it's more entertaining and it's more convenient to be online and have a good message mm-hmm. than to go in the, than to get out of your bed, get off your couch and go into a church on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Cause you could have this great production that they, that you do online. And it's like, Oh, why would I need to go in the building? Yeah. And which a big important part of that is community. Mm-hmm. And it's to, like, cause we're not supposed to be, doing faith in a vacuum yeah like none of us none of us can walk through faith on our own which is why it's so important like and it's why another thing that i like i think mega churches have done really well is to bring together small groups of students and um and leaders that are with them Mm. for like my small group leader billy and um even one of my high school leaders will billy was with me for seven years in my small group from That's sixth huge. grade to the end of senior year. That's huge. And he's like still a huge mentor figure yeah. in my life now. And one thing I think they do really well is to bring together those groups of students, maybe in the same, maybe in the same area of um, like the city, like a lot of my friends, we went to the same high school. Like mm. a lot of the, like a lot of the guys, 80% of the guys in my small group, went to the same high school. Yeah. So we were able to connect really well. And the other 20% that weren't at our high school were still in our area. Like yeah. they went to the public school down the street mm-hmm. or like another 10 minutes from us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like another thing that they do well is establishing that community in mm-hmm. um, in student ministries so that not only do you have friends when you go to church yeah. and it's less awkward than just going to a worship <laughs> service with your parents. Yeah. Um, but also you're able to connect with these people mm. outside of outside of school and still continue those conversations of faith and walking alongside them through daily life too, not just yeah. Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to continue on a little bit, continue with the, with the questions, and I want to ask you kind of leaving megachurch or transitioning out of that, what was that transition? What, what and when was that transition like... Um, going from that to a church plant 
kind of when was that when did that transition happen where were you in life kind of what was up with your family that that led to that but also what was just the transition like yeah um so the transition happened uh like a lot of other like i bet a lot of other families and maybe some other listeners um post pandemic mm. where some churches are either closed down like my like north point was closed down for a little bit they mm. reopened a little sooner than other churches but Classic um South. Yeah, but that kind of prompted my family to think, like, are we really growing spiritually Mm. where we are versus where we could be? And something a lot of you may know about North Point is a very seeker-sensitive church, Mm. um, which means there are, like, some churches, like, some churches cater highly towards um, bringing in, um, like, unchurched people or Mm. new Christians and... um, like like helping grow and nurture their faith. Mm-hmm. But and this is something that I know that we talked about with um, Dr. Derek Idle yeah. during our training week earlier in the year is like, okay, so we have this like young Christian population that were like young in faith mm-hmm. that were helping grow and nurture. What do we do about these mature Christians who are a little yeah. farther along in their faith? And so that's one thing that was my, that my family was wrestling with because we've grown up and like my parents were saved and they were the Christians years before I was born. Mm. Um, and I've always grown up in the church. So I've always had that continual nurturing of the faith. Um, and so we were wondering as a family, like is where we are like potentially hindering us in Mm. our, in our growth, um, in our relationships and walks with Christ versus, um, other places that we could go that we could get that like, we could be more convicted in our faith, be more pushed in our faith, mm-hmm. um, be more challenged in our faith. And so we started, um, post pandemic, we started checking out a couple more churches in our area. One, yeah. um, one was literally in the backyard of my high school. <laughs> like, okay, this is nice. The pastor was really good, but the worship quite isn't for us. Like it was more, it was more traditional. Like if you go, like I would compare it to like if anyone's ever been to heritage Baptist here okay. in, um, here in Lynchburg, I would, that's pretty, that's resembling, um, like kind of the worship that we went to at this yeah. one church in my area. It's called Fellowship Baptist, Fellowship Bible Church. Very good church. Yeah. Um, we've been at, we were, we were there a couple of times. We were there for probably a couple of months, um, before we decided maybe this church isn't for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing about these transitions too. Like you find a lot of good churches in the area and it's like, these are solid churches, but they're just not quite for us. Yeah. And so we started looking, um, and there was this, um, this pastor, this former youth pastor Mm -hmm. in our area, his name was Gerald. Um, and he started this church plant in Roswell, which is where I live, uh, called home church. And well, before we started meeting in a building, he had these nights of worship and these like family dinner nights, um, where he like opened his home and Mm -hmm. anyone who's, who was connected with, um, this new organization could come have fellowship, have a good time. And these worship nights would just be in like sit like in city parks in the area. And we just meet under a pavilion. We'd have like a very minimal like worship team. It'd be like a singer an acoustic guitar, yeah. maybe a cajon and a keyboard. Um, and we just all be gathered around, give a message. We, we do communion every Sunday, mm-hmm. um, as part of our, um, I guess you could say liturgy. Um, and just because, the way he taught really resonated with us. And it was like, an, it was, it's a non-denominational church plant. Mm-hmm. So it's already an environment and a style of teaching that we're used to. Yeah. Um, and so we started to go, I invited my mom to the first worship night. I went with her because mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, 
I know this pastor. He's really good. He's spoken with North Point's uh, student ministries before, and I've really enjoyed his, his. I've really enjoyed his teaching, and so I'm like, oh, let's go to the worship night. Mm. And little did we know, there are a lot of other people in our area that were going to these worship nights too. Like there was this, there was this one couple um, that we served with on a mission trip back in, I think went my summer before eighth grade. Okay. And so it was good to see them after a while. Like, yeah. oh, wow, they're on, they're a part of the launch team for this church. Um, and so was my mentor, Billy, and his family. Mm. They're still a part of that church, too. Um, and a lot of other families in our area that we've been friends with for years, they all go to this church. So it's already this, Yeah, there's already this community that's yeah. built in well before we start meeting in a building. Yeah. And so when we started meeting in a building, um, like, it's just nice because you have, we have the worship team in the front and that's where our, and that's where our pastor preaches and everybody is in a circle around it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like everyone's like everyone's in rows looking towards the stage. It's yeah. like everybody's next to each other and I can look past the pastor and see friends of mine. Like it's a it's a really nice environment and I think community, like I was mentioning before, community is a really big part of that. Yeah. Because everybody in the church knows each other. Yeah. Like it's a it's probably maybe if even a hundred families, maybe a little more. Um, And so the community is already very well connected. Mm -hmm. And another thing that, um, and this is probably going to go into like the next kind of, I know you've got like this next question that you want to ask. I know it's going to lead into this. Um, Like they do community really well. And another thing that this church does really well is that, its mission is radically different than a lot of other churches that I've seen okay. in a good way. Yeah. Because we dedicate one Sunday a month to um, unconventional worship, as a lot of people would see it. Um, we call it four day because I'm gonna, and I'm going to quote my pastor Gerald on this when I say this, the church nowadays and Christians are known so much what they're so much for what they're against than what they're for. Mm. So we want to show the community, specifically the Roswell, Georgia community, yeah what, what this for. church is for. Yeah. So we host a food market in the Title I elementary school that we meet in okay. for a lot of the underprivileged um, Hispanic families in the area um, and a lot of other uh, underprivileged communities in the area. And we go out into the city, we go into the parks, and we take trash bags and we clean up trash in the parks um, and just find ways to serve the community where we're at. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of my favorite things about... Um, about the church because um, of that emphasis on local community missions. Um, like I mentioned before, it's something I noticed some mega churches in the area don't really do so well at, mm. but this church plant in particular is so already rooted in the local community. Yeah. Like there's already so many people in the local community that are connected to this church that it just makes it easy for us to go back into the, our same community and yeah. to be able to serve others in that area. That that's almost like a that, that's a beautiful thing being so connected to because that's it's like an automatically built bridge. Yes, both to and from the community. Yeah. So for the community committed to, to come into the church and also for you to go into the community, which is huge. Yeah. It's huge. It's which not is, intimidating. It's exactly the bridge that I was mentioning about earlier, where a lot of people go to the church, but the church doesn't really go to the people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I really I do appreciate that and that community aspect of it. Um, with that, which you hinted at, at this a little bit, like you said, but um, I kind of want to know similar question as to megachurches. Your favorite things, your not so favorite things. Like, what were some highlights? Some things that you might do differently? Just, just yeah. Your favorites and and not so favorites about church plant about this style. Yeah. Well, I think you could probably guess that 
it's a couple of my favorite things, not only just the community being mm-hmm. able to go to church with a lot of families that yeah. I grew up knowing in our area. And Which is also really cool. Yes. That's just so cool. Um, and especially seeing families yeah. that I have, like, cause I was in originally in the public system in my, in my area before we, before I started homeschooling and then okay. private school. So to see a lot of those families that I went to public school with, like elementary school with is yeah. really cool being able to connect with them again and see them on Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and also the church's emphasis on local missions and yeah. supporting the local communities. Um, another one of my favorite things is just that it's a genuine heart for ministry. Yeah. Like it's, very centered around families. Mm-hmm. Like there's a big emphasis on the family in the, um, in the body of the church. Like a lot of families, it's not just like older couples that go to the church. Like you'll see at like mega churches where it's the older couples that go parents that go and yeah. then they drop their kids off at the, at the um, student ministries. Mm-hmm. We don't quite have a student ministry yet at home church. So it's everybody is in the same room yeah, regardless of age and everybody's being, um, like everybody's engaging in the same worship, everyone's hearing the same messages, which is good yeah. because I feel like that creates a bonding moment with the family, which yeah. was really important for me before I left for here for Liberty yep. is that because I had been serving at North Point so long and my parents were going to um, other churches, mm-hmm. I wasn't really going to church with them on Sunday mornings anymore because I was busy serving all morning. They yeah. were actually going to church. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to have that very family-centric um, kind of focus at home church. Mm-hmm. It was like, I would be able to go to church with my family every Sunday morning. Um, and I'd be able to like grow in my faith with them. Yeah. I'd be able to engage in worship with them, which I feel like was really, which is really good for me, especially going off before going off to college Yeah, to be able to have those last, um, be able to have some very healthy last moments with my family before moving, mm. especially in the context of church. Yeah. Cause, um, like, my family is very grounded in their faith. My mom, like my mom is probably the spiritual leader in our household. She Mm -hmm. leads Bible studies. Um, she's continuously praying for us. Um, and she's really amazing. Shout out mom. Um, I hope (laughs) you're listening. I love you. We love moms. Yes. I love my mom. Um, and so like, I think one thing they do, they do really well is their family centric style, which you may not see at other mega churches. Yeah. Um, and also just the worship is so heartfelt too. Like it's not mm. a big production. Yeah. It's very simple. We have it's a couple rugs worship. laid out. Yeah, yeah. We have a very minimal drum kit. We've got, um, an electric guitar, maybe two, a bassist, mm. a keyboardist, and like mm. two or three singers. Call it a and day. it's just genuine. Yeah. We have a small PA system and everyone's just in a circle singing. Yeah. And it's, it's very great. Mm. Um, there's nothing flashy about it. You've got a couple wash lights around the room, but it's just like, the atmosphere is just there for genuine worship. Yeah. And especially with the worship nights that we did prior to meeting as a church on Sunday mornings, um, like that was also very much the, uh, very much the mood and the feel of those worship nights. So it's mm. just, we come, we have genuine relationship, genuine fellowship, um, and we just worship. Yeah. Worship in actions and fellowship with each other, um, doing communion and just singing too. So I think that's really um, something church plants do really well is yeah. that they're not so much focused on the production as they are the people. Yeah. Because es- yes, <laughs> especially in church plant settings where all you have is people, yeah. you may not necessarily necessarily have the resources of a mega yeah. church, even a building like a mega church yeah. does. You've just got a lot of people with a heart for Christ. And yeah. I think that's all you need to have a successful, um, successful community of believers, especially yeah. in a church plant. 
that's how you get started. Yeah. Like and I mean, need, the, the church is the people. Yeah. It's not the building. The yeah. building houses the people, but the church is the people. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess you could say like uppercase C church <laughs> is yeah. definitely like the people, the bride of Christ. Yeah. That's us. And so to be able to have, um, to be able to have a ministry and an organization that is so focused on the people yeah. is very important because you definitely feel that. And it's very like, it's definitely reciprocated too. Like the amount of people in the church that have started like giving back into the church mm-hmm. and um, like with like being generous with resources, like with our time, being able to spend um, a Sunday morning serving the community in such a capacity that mm-hmm. we can like we can give book bags and like like book bags for students in the elementary school that we meet in yeah. so generously to them and that we've got like we've got enough for a lot of these students that yeah. we're able to host such a generous market where these students can come or these students families can come and it's like a food bank for them. Yeah. Like you definitely feel that because the ministry and the organization is so focused on the congregation mm-hmm. and the people in the community that it's reciprocated in the same way that people give back in the same way. And it's yeah. a very, um, it's a very healthy, I would say, um, symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that too about the backpack thing because you're giving back to the the students at this school that is being so generous with their space. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure yeah, they're probably renting the space, but they're letting you. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's 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 great witness even to to be able to give back to that the the community who's already giving to you as yes. a church, which yeah. is so cool. So now I want I want to also ask about like what are some things that maybe you you preferred in mega church or some things in church plant that you're like, well, this was better elsewhere or this doesn't quite work here or just kind of those things. You're, you're not so favorites. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'd be, a, I, I'm going to be honest. That's a difficult question for yeah. me to answer because that's I feel like thing. I like the setting in our church plant yeah. so much better than the mega church. Yeah. Like obviously for someone that's so production oriented, I've been serving in production <laughs> for yeah. so many years yep. and it's even, it's even something I do here at youth quest. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed that aspect in a yeah. mega church. Yeah. But from you know from not a service aspect and a volunteering aspect mm-hmm. from being engaged in the church i like the setting in the church plant so much more yeah because it's so much it's much more wholesome community yeah than in a mega church yeah just the space that we're in it's small enough to house us but it's also large enough to, large enough for to give us a little room to like get out and to be able to meet other yeah. like meet other people in the it's congregation and worship it is yeah um and i feel like that that humbling transition going from a church of thousands to a church of hundreds, maybe tens on a Sunday morning yeah. is like, I feel like it's more resemblant of the early church mm-hmm. where these, I mean, it is the church, the name of the church plant is home church. Yeah. Like we, like <laughs> yeah. we started meeting in like public spaces and in homes yeah. before we started meeting in a building. Yeah. And so I feel like that, um, that just genuine community is one of the things that, um, drew me to that church a lot in which I don't have like, I could compare it to like big churches on a Sunday morning, mm. but I feel like it's not something that I feel like this church could do better. Yeah. Like home yeah. church does that so well already. I yeah. don't like compare it to a mega church is just unfair. Yeah. And so, That's um, beautiful thing <laughs> it is. But like on the context of like what I think they could do better, obviously a student ministry is very important yeah. and which is something that we're actively working towards. Yeah. We should have it by next year, which is incredible God, yeah. because like when I go home, I have a student ministry back home to be invested in that yeah. in a church that I'm already plugged into. Yeah. Um, 
but that's on it. That's on its way. Thank God. Um, that's, that's one thing that I thought of when you were talking too of, of how everybody's in the same space, Mm -hmm. which is great, but can also be difficult. Yeah. Because you can uh, have these very mature messages that are geared towards a lot of older, like it's going to go right over over their heads. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the beauty of the beauty of that is that one thing that, um, that I've heard a lot and, and Dr. Idle also talked about this, um, is that we see so many students getting involved in a youth ministry, but not their church. Yeah. Um, which that just <laughs> nixes that problem. Uh, they are only involved in their church, yeah. <laughs> which is a much better thing than only being involved in a youth ministry. Yeah. Um, and it prevents that, which is great. But it also does, the, the downside of that is that, yeah, it's some things are going to go over some students' heads. Or those kids, if they're young, they're going to be a distraction for their parents in the service. And mm-hmm. now they're, now the kids aren't paying attention and neither are the parents and nobody's getting anything out of it. Yeah. Um, and so that is huge that that is, that is, that is the downside of a, the initial stages of church plant is the lack of those resources and structures. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing is, like you said, they're coming and that's going to make a huge difference and it's going to be insane. And the beauty of that is that the students who are there now, at least will have started in the church and then they'll add on a youth ministry. Mm-hmm. They're not going to show up to a youth ministry and now they have to get plugged into a church, which is a beautiful way to do it. Is you get connected to the church and then you're like, oh, this church offers youth ministry? Great. I'm going to get plugged into that too. Yeah. Um, because it's so important that everybody, adults, kids, youth, no matter what who you are, you're involved in the church, which is the be- beautiful thing about church plants is mm-hmm. that you are involved in the church, which is huge. Yeah. And which another thing too, like you get to connect not with just whoever the student pastor may be yeah. or like whoever a student pastor is with a church that has a youth ministry. Um, you are able to connect with the church's pastor himself and it's not just like, and it's a personal relationship. Yeah. It's not like you go to mega church and you know, you meet the youth pastor and you, you know, maybe you go out to lunch with him like once or one, once or twice a month or something like that. But, and then like, the church's pastor is just like on a pedestal yeah. where he's like, Oh, this is who like the adult, like this is who, who the adults go see. Like, Oh, he's, he's super cool. Where it, like, which is really easy to do in a mega church where mm-hmm. you put these pastors on pedestals mm-hmm. and then you get into the whole celebrity, celebrity pastor yeah, uh-huh. argument, which is a whole nother debate. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, but you're able to connect with the pastor of the church himself. And yeah. it's not just like, yeah. he's just some guy that talks to the adults and he's like, Oh, he's such a great pastor. Yeah. You know him too. Yeah. Like I've been able to connect with our pastor Gerald and I've known him previously before home church because he was, he and I were both at North Point. Yeah. I was doing production with the youth ministries at North Point and Gerald was speaking with those ministries. So like on a retreat weekend, I'd be helping set up the stage for him for his message and he'd walk out and he'd be like, would be talking afterwards. Uh Um, But that's something you get to do in a church plant that you don't necessarily get to do in a mega church. Not always. Yeah. yeah, We connect with the actual pastor of the church. Yeah. The person that's leading this church and to be able to have a personal connection with him Mm -hmm. is very important. Yeah. Because this is the guy that's also teaching your adults. He knows, like I know like Gerald could teach, he can teach my parents well but he can also teach me well because he has that background in both youth ministry yeah. and in just pastoral leadership. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like otherwise I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think I have anything that yeah. I feel negatively about a church plant with versus yeah. um, a mega church just because I like the environment of a church plant so much yeah. more, so much homegrown than it is in a mega church. Yeah. And, I mean, to compare the two would kind of be unfair because you've yeah. got, I mean, it's apples and oranges. Yeah. yeah. You've got, 
you've got mega churches with millions of dollars of yeah, resources and exactly. hundreds and thousands of people compared to a church plant with, with like $3, maybe tens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're operating on a very yeah. shallow budget off of however generous the congregation yeah. is, which can vary depending on how big the congregation mm-hmm. is. And depending on where you are, depending on a lot of things. But yeah, yeah. I think that, um, oh goodness. Um, I don't remember exactly what I was going to say, but I remember something else. Um, talking about like the pastor connection. I think that that's something that um, can be can be done in a megachurch setting, but I think it also, it, it's hard to do. It is. Especially depending on the church. I mean, you think North Point, you have Andy Stanley, who is a very famous guy mm-hmm. for good reasons, but he's a very famous guy. And he's very busy too, not with and just- And he's very busy. And not with just North Point Ministries, but- He's an author. Yep. He has a TV show. Yeah. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of there's a lot of places he's involved in. Yeah. Whereas in a church plant, he's a pastor. He's a pastor of the church. <laughs> he's solely involved in the yeah. church. Might have written a book, but he's a pastor. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Gerald has written a book. And hey, there you go. I've read it. It's very good. <laughs> um, very beneficial for me going into college because that's who we wrote it to. Like high school, like yeah, people from going from high school to college transition, which is really good. Um. But he's just solely focused in the church and the people in yeah. the church, which is so important. Yeah. But you, you can have churches like that. You have people like Craig Rochelle. Again, very famous guy. Really great guy. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of his leadership stuff. But um, uh, also very famous and busy guy. But then I think of, the, because this is my only megachurch experience, um, I think of Bellevue. Whereas Steve Gaines is the pastor there. If I say mm-hmm. the name Steve Gaines, the older crowd might know who I'm talking about. But My parents definitely know who he Exactly. Who he but is. nobody in their 20s knows who I'm talking about. Now, Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley's like, oh, I know who that is. But Steve Gaines, it's a massive church. It's like in the top 50 largest churches in America. Yep. But every Sunday morning, that man is out there greeting people in the lobby. And that now that helps because he's not like a quote-unquote celebrity like some of other, the other pastors. But at the same time, he's still, it's a massive church. But it can be done. But it just becomes harder. Mm-hmm. Um and it all which depends. is which is sad. Yeah, it, it's because it's not like they don't people don't want to do that. It just becomes difficult because one for safety reasons, depending on the fame level, and then also like, why are you famous? Is there a reason that some people wouldn't like you? Um, which those things can come into play, and then it's a safety concern. Like, yeah. okay, I can't be out too much. Um, granted, you might have not done anything wrong. You probably just upset some people with a biblical view on something, <laughs> um, but. And then, but it can be done like in the, in the context of like, like Steve Gaines at Bellevue, like they do that and it's a beautiful thing, but it's hard at some churches like North Point, like Life Church, like Elevation, like the village, Lakewood, Lakewood, like all of those things. Um, but it it becomes difficult. I also think it depends on the heart of the pastor of the church too. Um, not to say that any pastor is more invested in the people in the church than another because I mean. I hope that every pastor yeah. is like equally as zealous about the people in the church as like they are in what they're doing, like in their vocation, mm-hmm. giving these people the gospel. Um, but I also feel like some, I know there are some pastors out there that are more focused on their platform and their fame more than the people yeah. that they're preaching to from a platform. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's like, that's also, something that you see in a church plant more than a mega church mm-hmm. is that because like, and home church literally doesn't have a platform. Yeah. Everybody's on the same floor. Yeah. Maybe Gerald's just standing on a couple inches taller than us. Cause he's got some rug underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's it. Like yeah. we, like we have 
no stage or platform that he typically preaches off. Yeah. So he's walking, he's sitting with us in the congregation during worship. Yeah. He gives a message and he talks to us right after or right before. Like, I mean, he's, thing, he's got yeah. no, like, and he's got nowhere to go. He yeah. doesn't have, yeah, a, we exactly. don't have a green room that, or get that, that like yep. he can hide out and like some other pastors do. Um, but like, it's just him in the congregation. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like, and he was part of a congregation before he became a pastor too. So that's yeah. also like, he has that connection with the congregation. Cause obviously like one thing I feel like pastors should be is not only just the leader of the congregation, but also a part of the congregation. Yeah. And so like, intentionally engaging with them like I know Steve Gaines does. Yeah. Like being greeting those people at the door when they walk in before they get yeah. into the auditorium is very important. Yeah. Because, you know, you get to see these pastors and these people of influence not so much on a platform mm-hmm. when you first walk in. Yeah. Like which really which for new people in a church really sets the tone. Yeah. Because if like it's very easy to judge someone from a platform mm-hmm unless you see them like on the same footing as you. Yeah. Like if I walk in and I see the pastor of the church and he's greeting me, like I'm going to be more inclined to like him because he's a lot more personable. Yeah. He's a lot more, he's yeah, a mom. makes sense. Like he's making himself a lot more familiar to yeah. me. And he's available. Yeah. And he's available, that which is something that like I'm available to you as your pastor, which is something that's very important and something yeah. that I know home church does very well is like, we can all text it. Like everyone has his number. We can yeah. all text him and we can be like, Hey, I need to like talk to you about something. Can we grab lunch sometime soon? Yeah. And because he's so invested in the congregation, we can do that. Mm -hmm. Like I can have that personal connection with my pastor rather than like, I'm not able to text Andy Stanley and ask for lunch because yeah, he's got a million, he's got a million other things that he's doing. Exactly. Um, but that's also like, I know this is like going off of a lot of things that, you know, I like compared in the church plant compared to mega church. And that's like, if you can't notice people in community is very close to my heart. So that's a lot of things that I like, that I like. That's what it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially, especially in ministry. Like why yeah. am I in, why yeah. I'm in youth ministry if people isn't, people aren't important to me. Exactly. It's all um, about the people. Yeah. And so I feel like church plans do that very well because they're not so much focused on the production as they are the people. Yeah. Because they need the people. Well, not to say that in a mean term, in mean, like a yeah difficult yeah, yeah, way, yeah. but they need the people. Yeah. Like, for a church plant to grow from a church plant to like an established church to, for it to have its roots, it needs people. Yeah. It needs community. And one thing that a church plant, a successful church plant will do is to establish a good community and a good relationship with the people that are going to that church. Bef- like, and that's how, and that's how they get their roots. Yeah. Like, because again, the church is the people. It's not the building. Yeah. If like, if the church was the building, there'd be millions of other churches because, you could easily buy a piece of property, build a building, call that a church, and that's a day. Like yeah. you've got your own church. Yeah. But to have a group of people that you're investing in, that you're pastoring every week, mm-hmm. that is consistently there to learn and grow, and that you can connect with, and it's not just a one-way thing; it's a two-way thing. Yeah. Like it's a conversation, not just a sermon. Yeah. Um, that's like that's. I feel like that would be a recipe for success that I've seen in a lot of church plants and even hearing from Camden about his dad's church, Northridge, mm. like how um, all these churches came, come from similar backgrounds and they find their success with the people, mm-hmm. not so much the production. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what it really all comes down to too is like church plants and mega churches. It's all church. It's all good. And it's all glorifying to God. It just looks different. Yeah. 
And I think that um, when we look at both, I think that church plants are, we go to a church plant. I mean, I'm, I'm very passionate about church planting. And so I'm a little bit biased here, but. So you, um, must, have been, you must have been excited when, <laughs> you must have been excited for the church advancement week. That oh we yeah, had it was great. It was great. Um, but uh, I think that, that church plants can be a very humbling thing, even mm-hmm. just to attend once. If you go to a mega church, that's not a bad thing. Keep going. It's a, it, uh, if it's a good church, they preach the gospel and they shepherd you well and you're being poured into, keep going. Yeah. But I, I think it's not a bad thing to just like peek your head into a, a church plant, mm-hmm. kind of have that experience. It, it, it is humbling. And I love, like I said, I love my church, my church back home. It's, it's a big church and I love it. I would like, if I were still living in Connecticut, I'd be going. I love that church. I felt discipled. I felt poured into. I had ways to pour out and to serve and I was never abused in like serving too much or anything like that. And even if I over volunteered myself, they made sure I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, popping my head into a small church where they don't have much, it's a very humbling experience. And I think oftentimes we can look at church plants and like you said, it's hard to find bad things. Um, and it's, it's a little easier to find them in big churches, but that's also because you're seeing everything yeah. because they have so much more. Yeah. You see everything. And, and the things that you think about in a church plant where you're like, man, I wish this was this is because of the experience that we've come from larger churches. We've seen all these production things. We've seen all the cool things on the resources. It's like, man, that's great. But at the same time, those are, those are additional things, yeah. which are beautiful to have. But they are additional things. You don't always need them. Exactly. They're again. They're great to have. It's a beautiful thing when we can have those things. But the beauty of church plants is that it's like, well, let me show you why it's not necessary. Let me show you why. Yeah, we'll we'll still probably get there. But let's let's be a church first. Yeah. Let's let's just worship the Lord. Let's just glorify Him together. And I think that's such a big thing. That's what it really comes down to. Is like they're both good. They're both glorifying to God. They're both churches, mm-hmm. both styles, all of styles of churches. But it, it is it is a beautiful experience to just look look at a church plant, and even like multi site churches. Like, I think there's a reason that when multi site churches really kind of like they didn't show up like ten years ago, but they really blew up like ten ten eight ten years ago, something like that. Like everybody was like, oh, multi site, multi site, multi site, and it didn't go great. And I think, and, and North Point is, a, is an example of the opposite where they do have a lot of campuses and it's very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of times they didn't go great and that's because people got in over their heads. And that's where now we're seeing kind of a resurgence of church planting. And I think that instead of churches making, and I, I like this style better, but instead of churches going and making another campus, they just plant another church. They put another pastor there who can shepherd the people in that church mm-hmm. rather than having one pastor try to shepherd 8 billion people. It's it's a normal amount where like this pastor can, they can handle this. It's not, we're not putting too much on the pastors. We're not, or at least we shouldn't be. Um, and we're making it in a way, like you said, like with the church plant that you're at now, church home, no, home, home church. church, church home is, is uh, Judah Smith. Um <laughs> home church um like you know the pastor he's able to shepherd you guys that's mm-hmm. his that's literally his job yeah and so the beauty of that is that that's what we need to keep going is we need to we need to rather than making another campus with the same oversight pastor like let's just plant another church if we're going to put a campus there and we're going to put people there let's just plant a church there who cares about our name we don't need to make another north point we don't need to make another elevation we don't need to make another life church we just need to grow the kingdom mm-hmm. let's just 
plant another church there, give them a pastor who's going to take care of them and who's going to shepherd those people and disciple them. And that's all you need. And that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. And so I think taking, we can keep both, but rather than making mega churches bigger, they can expand their reach by just planting another church rather than another campus, just plant another church. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even just handling it that way, like you can still call it a campus, but it's another church. There's another pastor there that can shepherd those people. It's in a a different community. Yeah. I, I think that's huge. And especially with like the amount of different communities that you hear, that you have here in the United States, each community is wildly different than the next. Yeah. You can't play you can't plant duplicate churches in yeah. different communities and expect the same result. Yeah. Like which is something that's really different about a lot of the mega churches that you'll see in Atlanta versus some of the more local churches. Mm-hmm. That you have a lot of these more local churches, they're more built towards the communities that they're in. Like mm-hmm. home church. We do a lot of serving for the underprivileged communities in yeah. the area because even though the nor- even though the northern suburbs of Atlanta are an affluent area, yeah. there are still people that need the help. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to use the resources of us being an affluent area mm-hmm. to serve those who don't have that luxury in the area. Yeah. Um, and that does wildly successful because not only are we able to effectively serve our community – that community knows it's being like cared for. Yeah. Like, and this is something my mom noticed when we're doing, like we're making, we're preparing for a food market. A lot of these families, like I mentioned, are Hispanic families. Yeah. And so one thing that's great is my mom being Puerto Rican, she's like, she's Hispanic. She knows the kind of food that they're looking for that they already have in their diet. So she will go to Walmart. She will buy crap ton of corn flour, tortillas, (laughs) a lot of the typical Hispanic food that you find in the kitchen. And, that's a lot of the stuff that she brings to the food market directly catering to the demographic in the community that we're serving. Yeah. Which is something that I feel like a lot of successful church plants can do mm-hmm. is that, I mean, like you don't want to, you don't want to duplicate churches. If you're going to start a church plant, yeah. don't make the same kind of church that you already have. Yeah. Make a church specifically catered towards the community yeah. that still like can still share the same values and beliefs that your main church does. Yeah. But the people in that church, like the person leading that church, should be somebody from the community because only they know what that community needs. Yeah. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna build a church plant, consult the people in that community mm-hmm. because you want to be able to effectively minister to them in the ways that you know you can reach them instead of just like, oh, this worked in this worked in the city. Let's apply it like let like if you're gonna have a big church in a city, plant in rural areas. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna bring the same city yeah. kind of church yeah. to a rural area. That's, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> no. So like, I feel like the important part of church planting is to know the community yeah. that is going to be attending that church plant. Yeah. Like in which I know that's something that's been, um, like this comes like this comes a couple weeks after the church advancement week here yeah. at Liberty, um, being able to learn how to uh bring the gospel to some other communities and advance the church in those areas. Yeah. Um, I think one of those, one of the big parts about that is to know the community that you're going into. Yeah. This is equally important in local missions and in global missions is to know the people in that area before you go and serve them, because then you know that you yeah. can serve them effectively. That's huge. That's huge. That, that, that's big. And that's, that's a big passion of mine is church planting in new England. Mm-hmm. And that's cause I'm from new England and it's very different. We see a lot of people, this is, this just really connects to what you just said, but like we see a lot of people come from the South because it's the Bible Belt. There's a lot of people who want to plant churches. Yeah. They come up and they plant a church and it's unsuccessful and then they get burnt out because here's the thing. New England is very different. It is, 
it can be abrasive. It can be tiring. People in New England, we're, we're a little bit different. <laughs> and so I and think it's so important to send people, people from New England to plant a church in New England because yeah. one, they'll be listened to. People in New England don't want to listen to anybody else, but besides, let alone, they don't want to listen to anybody, let alone someone who's not even from there. Yeah, um, let alone a Southerner. Exactly. <laughs> um, but but the importance of that is like people from New England need to go and do ministry in New England. Mm-hmm. Like stop, don't, they need it, first of all, and don't be afraid. Like or, we see so many people come up and, and get burnt out and me who wants them to be successful, I feel so bad for them. But at the same time, like no, we, we need to know the community. Some things aren't going to work like in certain areas, like you said, rural versus city, southern versus northern. Like some things just aren't going to work, and you need to uh, you need to tailor it to the community that it's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining uh, joining us today on this episode. It was really good. This is a really good conversation. Um, if you're listening, uh, shout out to you for sticking through the whole thing. This was a long one, and we were really glad you're here because because again, this was a really good conversation. Just. Open and honest about church plant, mega church, all of those things, good, bad, ugly, pretty much all good. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, thank you for listening. And if you want to know more about YouthQuest, uh, you can check out the link in the description of this episode or any other episode. It's all there. There's a link there that'll take you to everything you could possibly want to know, different links, different things. If you're a student and you want to apply, there's a link there. If you're a church and you want a book, there's a link there. If you just want to know more and go to our website, there's a link there. So please just check that out. Um, feel free to just kind of peruse or contact us if you if you feel led. Again, I just hope this podcast was able to minister to you in some way. Uh, next week, we will be joined by Sydney Green, who is on our teaching team. And we're going to be talking about uh, parachurch ministry and kind of starting that and 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 seeing where that goes. Um, but again, thank you, Riley, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it was a really good conversation. And uh, to those listening, see you next week. <laughs>